episode of Media Watch. I'm your host, Dr. Savvy. And every week we try to bring some amazing people to showcase their fantastic talents. And uh, we've got a really special person this week. All the people that come on my show are special. And this time now we've actually got Paminder Kaur Mahan. And it's great to have you. I know you're a very busy person. You are CEO of Bonnier Book UK. Uh, and I read a book recently that your organization uh, published. Uh, the uh, It was called The Tattooist of Outswitch, which was brilliant, mm -hmm. actually. So well done for getting that book. Uh, thank you for bringing it to the world. And it's a very popular book indeed. So I really wanted to discuss three things today. Um, I want to talk about, you know, you're in the publishing game uh, or uh, industry, shall I not call it a game? Uh, and mm -hmm. also... Uh, Everyone now can do blogs and they can go online and they can stream, they can tell their stories. Uh, yeah. But when it comes to publishing, it's a very different story, isn't it? It's a very different, okay, get a keyword there, story. It's a very different situation. <laughs> you, you have to plan it properly. You have to make sure that you, um, uh, you structure it, not only the grammar in terms of the marketing, the complementary products, um, the fact mm -hmm. that it has to be a very strict publishing process. Um, because it's not that easy to get a book out, you know. Um, so it'd be really good to get your views on that. And then finally, I, I recently saw that a very famous actor, uh, a black actor, who got a, an award for celebrating diversity. Well, uh, it reminded me of uh, somebody who was once uh, kind of pointed out, and they said, well, uh, you know, maybe we should have Black History Month. And he says, well, I don't have White History Month. Why should I have Black History mm -hmm. Month? Um, so, uh, you know, it's and sometimes it's difficult, you know, what people are doing is they're categorizing people it, it, it's fascinating but my main point i'd really love to talk to you about is the kind of stories you know are we getting enough stories coming through about our backgrounds uh, where we've come from the stories of our fathers and mothers the sacrifices that they went through to come to different lands um those are great compelling stories well we'll come back to them in a bit but anyway let's talk about the first thing do you think anyone tom dick and harry can publish these days i mean they can with their blogs can't they well, yes, when that is, well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. It's great to be here. Um, and on that, on the blog, yes, every, anybody can write now. Um, thanks to the internet, it's made a lot of, um, I think, platforms accessible in terms of communicating directly with your, you know, your, your audience. It's made that possible. Um, and people are using all sorts of platforms like YouTube to make videos. Instagram, you know, Facebook, people are building profiles and blogging, you know, it's been, it's been on the up for quite some time now, but it gives the people the chance to sort of, you're not, you're not, there's no filters, you're in control, you write, you edit and you put it out there. So I think again, and, and social media is very much the same in terms of what people now read and see, I would say is raw and um, it's really raised a lot of interesting debates and topics about what is it that people want to consume. And we, as a publisher, often look at these platforms when we're looking for new content, just to see how, just to see the level of interest, I suppose, and the level of engagement. So yes, if you have a, a busting desire to write, um, blogging's a good place to start. But do you not think there's this, uh, you're familiar with the term known as echo chamber, where you know mm. people will kind of say something and then oh they heard it somewhere else and then it kind of you know it kind of comes down the line uh, or people just kind of identifying with a particular cause just to kind of influence their uh, their presence to become more popular but don't really believe in stuff so you, you get mm. a bit of dilution of that content because 
I'm not saying it's a wrong thing that when Black Lives Matter, everybody on their Instagram made their pages black. Uh, but do they really understand what Black Lives Matter actually meant? Or were they doing it because they were following a trend? So there is that danger as, as well, isn't there? And, and that's exactly what happened when the Black Lives Matter um, movement, well, it started, it started years ago, but the recent events, unfortunate events around um, George Floyd Webber, when people started posting that black screen, a lot of, you, you noticed within 24 hours, there was a backlash that what does this actually mean? You need to support this, needs to come with action. And as a business, when we sort of, we, we made a stand against, against that, but we did it in a way where we would then be donated to charities that supported the movement or support or awesome causes. And within our industry in particular, we supported um, inclusive and diverse publishers, little indies that were struggling because of COVID. And we felt, you know, that we need to get behind them because the, the industry needs them. And that was our way of supporting the movement by supporting them so they could be a platform for underrepresented voices. So again, so, people, so, sorry, Sap. No, that's okay. No, no I think it's mm. interesting that that point that you made, I was just going to pick up on it about the un uh, represented voices because um, I remember quite a few years ago I, I saw a, a video that um, Jon Snow, uh, Channel 4, brilliant newcaster, mm. had yeah. presented and he said uh, until the editorial team actually change because they come from a particular background just because you've got mm. brown face that's reading the news or um, doesn't mm. necessarily mean that that uh, and I met somebody from uh, one of the broadsheet papers, a particular pink coloured one uh, and uh, he, he was a, a writer who said that uh, sometimes it's subliminal, you know, they're writing a story about India, they'll put some chap on there who's sitting on a rickshaw with his mobile phone. So the, the stereotyping of images, um, it's like, mm. you know, what, like you said before, what is it in terms of the message that you're trying to put forward? And some of it can be distorted as well, can't it? Because other people have got other agendas. Absolutely. And that's, that is the trouble with what's out there on social media. It's unfiltered, it's raw you have to i mean it's 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 getting ever so more it's becoming a minefield actually in terms of the amount of fake news as we've termed coined the term now um that's out there um and so i you know again i, I mean i tell my children whatever you read on social media just tread with caution if you want quality information go to a good source a good trusted source um so if you want news try and go to a, a, a trusted source whether it's a newspaper or it's a social media feed that you know it's coming from a good source you know who the journalists are you know where it's coming and then otherwise you will just do play games with your head you don't know what's true you get conflicting opinions another time and it's great in terms of giving people a platform for for their voice but that's how you should approach it when you read it it's an opinion it's someone's opinion or it's someone's stance on something it doesn't make it right it doesn't make it wrong it's their opinion and as long as you read it with those lenses on then that then it then the internet serving its purpose it's when people start re start reading it like it's their i don't know that the role bbc would have played once upon a time they think this 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 channel is now becoming my trusted source of information but you don't know what the political agenda is behind that or whatever the agenda is and the motive is so um, you have to be careful and that's again we talk about the job that I'm in is in publishing our job is to provide information to people carefully curated 
it's quality um, from trusted sources, and that's that's our job to do that um, from a book perspective, anyway. Do you think curation is? I mean, that's a, a thing that I've been talking about for quite a few years, actually, about curation. You know, mm. if you go to a museum, you know, if you've got somebody who's going to curate a set of artwork, they may have done mm. hundreds of pieces of art, but they might pick five particular items, and those five items can be spoken about in detail, you know, analysed in detail, presented to the public, mm. put in a show mm. situation. Um, I guess the problem that, you know, uh, the um, you know, people that don't necessarily get into the mainstream is that the, the opportunity is not always there, right, because people are not actually, you know, being able to pick it up, right? But also, isn't the publishing process a little bit hard as well? I mean, I think content for the sake of change is, is really, really positive. And it's unfortunate that in some countries content is blocked, you know, and we've seen this in many countries where, you know, people are trying to get the message out and it's just simply they can't do it because it's the, the mm. internet's locked off, closed off. But coming back to being more optimistic, then sure, you can go a Kindle where you can publish a book, right? But it could be a book amongst millions and millions and millions and you'll never exactly. be able to find it. Right? Mm -hmm. And also what about the quality of it? Has somebody done proper, you know, graphics and the grammar being checked or, is there a, a PR machine behind it? Can you tell us a little bit about, I know that you uh, were recently on Sky, as I mentioned earlier, um, you've had a lot of people in, interested in saying they'd like to get their book published. Obviously, you've got to go through the process to make sure that it's um, mm. a story that would resonate uh, with, a, with a, a particular target, etc. But what is the publishing process in, in brief? In term, I know you, we could spend hours talking about it, but <laughs> is there a set of things, that guidelines yeah. that people need to follow when they're doing it? So um, I'll, I'll give a, current, a generic approach. Um, so if you are thinking of writing, albeit fiction or nonfiction, um, you the first your starting point is to find it's is key is finding a good agent who will you need to there's you get a writer's handbook and in there they list all the different agencies. There's there's so many of them and what their speciality is. But I think if you're new in this game, it is really, really important to identify an agent that's going to help you shape your work and get it in a, the right form for a publisher to review. Because we get we get so many submissions um, every week, um, and our inboxes are inundated. And what makes something stick out is usually, obviously, we have our things that we're looking out for. Um, but the quality, the, the actual shape of the writing, this, the condition that it's in, we'd say that that doesn't need, hopefully that's not, we, ho we do hold new authors' hands. We've launched a lot of debut careers, um, but it is um, it, to some sort of state um, that then we can, you know, to review, because if things come in too raw, it's very difficult for a publisher. So the agent plays a role in doing that. So I know lots of agents I've heard, <laughs> some don't all, all do that. So it's really important you, if you find that agent that you connect with, have a good relationship with, that gets what you're doing. Um, and then they then submit it to publishers. Now, depending on what it is, if it's something quite new, if, they th if the agent thinks this is a great debut author, they can get an auction started or if it, they or they might just submit it to publishers and see who's interested to the right editorial team in each publishing house. Now, each publishing house we have in our editorial team, we have like an adult editorial team, a children's editorial team, and then we have 
publishing, we call them acquisitions directors, who are known in the industry for the type of books that they publish. So they have a very strong relationship with agents. So the agents will know who to approach with what project. Um, and then they will then take it into the business and then review with the business through, if they like it, they want it on their list with marketing, sales, PR, to get their interest in there. And as long as everybody's interested um, or passionate or thinks there's a, an opportunity with this project, we'll then make an offer for the book and then acquire the book. And then it's a long, it's a long process. Um, then they start the process of actually shaping the book so that it goes into the editor editor's hands and they work very closely with the author on shaping the story, structuring it, editing, proofreading, all of that. And then same time marketing starts seeding the book with retailers, um, publicity machine sort of starts kicking in sort of three to four months before the book's published. And depending again, because every book's different, um, the, it, this whole, the time frame from acquisition through to publication, we could be talking between 18 to 24 months and wow. then the sales kick in. It's a really, it's a long journey. And I think, you know, again, it's really one of the things that have been very topical in our industry is diversity, is representation. And do we have enough diversity in the industry? And the answer, frankly, has been no, we haven't. Um, and it's been quite a closed shop, I guess, for some communities publishing. I mean, I joined publishing many years ago, but I never had, I never was aware about publishing. I accidentally landed in publishing um, and mm. I, kept, I went for a sales job and it just so happened it was in the publishing industry and I actually loved books and I couldn't believe where I was and I thought I'm staying here now because I actually loved books. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't actually aware of a career in publishing. I just thought books for some, when I was a child, I loved them, that the author somehow managed to write this book and they ended up on shelves in libraries and shops. I had no idea about the process behind it and how complex it is and that it's an actual business. Um, so when I accidentally sort of arrived in this place um, and people then talk about like, okay, why, why don't we have much representation in the industry? Well, it's, you know, um, it, it's one of those industries where it was not what you know, it's who you know. And all the low level entry jobs when you come in, I mean, they're very low paid when you start. It's a media, it's, it's very much like people enter the film industry or the music industry or, you know, theatre. You know, the publishing industry is very much, you know, in a similar vein, people have this, you know, aspiration to work in publishing from a very young age. So they are going through the channels, through colleges, through the same universities, through the same courses, and they have all the same network connections. And people give them, you go, you go in, um, you, it's all London-centric. It's quite a London-centric industry. Mm. And when I said, you know, the, the salaries are very low to start with. So that becomes a barrier to entry as well. Um, and you get certain class of people coming in who can afford to work for very little money. And luckily, <laughs> ironically, because I had moved back home and was living with my parents, um, could actually afford <laughs> to work for that salary. Um, but most people, if you're trying to attract talent from around the country, you come to London, you wouldn't be able to afford to live on that. So that then becomes a deterrent um, for a certain class of people. And so over the years, it's just become um, 
very much carbon copies of each other. You'll see that everybody looks quite the same. They look of the same color, same color, same background. And, and actually, I've discovered over recently, there's a lot of people who actually have come from different backgrounds. But when they come there, it's one of those things. You arrive in this industry and everyone speaks in a certain way and they look of a certain way. And you have this, it's just the, you just want to fit in. So you find yourself um, conforming. And I was guilty of that when I first started. Um, of course, when I, I arrived in publishing, I thought, wow, this is like a new world I didn't even know existed. Um, but very, very soon after that, I started feeling a little bit like out of place because there was no one else that I could see that looked like me, spoke like me. And I thought, my God, I started questioning myself. I had that imposter syndrome. Do I belong here? And then um, I now will have been, I will now confess um, started doing, you know, taking grammar lessons in the evening, um, special, just so that I was careful about my language because I was always a numbers person. And I thought, oh my God, I don't speak the Queen's English. How, how I'm going to get caught out. I never, um, I never used to admit where I'd lived, where I came from, which was Southall. I lived in West London. All these things. I just wanted to fit in and blend in with everyone else. Um, and um, she's, um, which was, I think, was the problem with that industry because it wasn't me. I was many people were doing that. And I'm not just talking about people of colour. I'm talking about people from, you know, working class backgrounds too that are, that were white as well, just wanting to fit in. So I think that's, that's we created our problem, you know, a problem over the years where everyone would start looking the same. I luckily, I left the industry and started working with the core of the industry. I started working for independence, small businesses. And then I arrived, I came back 10 years ago in this business, which was still an unknown company, we've pretty much grown in the last six years from a small little children's publisher to now being the sixth largest publisher in the country. Um, and now I'm back Amazing. on the main stage. Um, thank you. And so now it's suddenly we are aware that not much has changed in the last two and a half decades. And I mean, it is happening, but it's slow. But I think again, it's really important. It's it's not one solution. We need the gatekeepers of taste to change um, because until we have people represented across the whole ecosystem, that's not just in publishing. This is also at retail because they make the selections. But, I mean, I can say we can have all our fear? writers come. Hmm? Sorry. Is there a fear? Is there a fear amongst you know the establishment in terms of the established players mm. um, to take? To take a risk. Um, I think they're interesting. There's a BBC um, uh, mini series, fifteen million pounds to make the program. It's called the Suitable Boy. Um, it was written, mm. written by Vikram. I think it stars mm. Taboo. Uh, I think it's a six-part thing. Um, yeah. I think interesting. It's you know, a great book, by the way. It's one of them. That was <laughs> um, yeah. uh, But but I mean, that's quite a few years ago that that book was published. But how mm. much are people taking? Coming back to the points you were making about mm. wanting to fit in or a particular background of people that are there, um, does that make them think in a particular way? They'll only take risks on certain um, projects, right? Um, mm. If it kind of fulfills their criteria. I mean, that book is a very, very um, deep uh, in terms of description, detail. Uh, I mean, mm. I can't remember how many, it must be about a thousand pages at least, you know, if not that, more than that. But the, the issue here is that there are many different stories. So does that mean that people are, because they're from different backgrounds, they're not willing to listen to those stories? 
why they're not aware of those stories. There's a bit of that, that uh, Donald Rumsfeld, you, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? Because they're mm. not exposed, because they've not mm. had that conversation. Um, or could it be something even worse than that, that if you look at the British, for example, in India, they were there for hundreds of years. You know, they've left buildings mm. there. They've left establishment there. They've left, you know, um, administration systems behind, right? Is there, even if you look at the story of Udham Singh, right? You know, who uh, mm. last week was was his uh, uh, anniversary of, uh, of his uh, particular situation where he had been, uh, he'd come over and uh, Michael Dyer was the guy that generally won a bargain in 1919 uh, and, and he shot the guy at Caxton Hall. Now that's a story, right? And there have mm. been some movies. Is, do you think that certain people are embarrassed about uh, revealing their past, therefore they don't want to discuss those stories? Or is it, like I said before, what they don't know, they don't know, because they're not open enough to be able to actually be presented with these ideas? Because it's not like there's not enough stories. There are plenty of them, right? Yeah. I think probably a combination of both, but I think it's more probably leaning towards I mean I've worked in the industry and that is a lot such a lovely industry the people are great I think it's more complacency as well and after all we are it is a business and so we have certain processes and criteria when we're reviewing projects when they come in and they go through the same scrutiny every single time so it's the same same new measurements that we're measuring against previous books so every it seems it sort of you it becomes very I don't know, systematic in that when you're trying to bring something new in, it is risky. And do we take a gamble? And it's not so much, it's not just the actual writing in itself, which you're right. There's plenty of stories out there, well-written stories that we could publish. But it's about going on, as I explained to you, it's a almost two-year journey, an editorial um, process from acquisition so it's having the comfort to want to do that first the passion so a lot of um, projects are acquired on passion so have we got the right people acquiring why would you be passionate about that story that you can't relate to or connect to or not yeah. actually disinterested in um, because it is a two as I said it's a two-year process then where I think it really becomes problematic is the sales marketing and PR to make these these books a success because when they take these gambles and then they don't work it's like well tried that but it was like it just didn't work it's just you know the industry is not agile enough i mean there's the overused word yeah. agile i mean yeah. use it in it use it in business uh where they use this, this philosophy which is test and learn or incubation or putting feeders out there um and yeah. as you described earlier on if you've got, a, you know, you have to seed it, you have to make sure it grows and it turns into the product that you mm. want it to be. Why can't there not be a shortcut process that says, all right, we've got, mm. we've got 15,000 people, right? Okay, we're going to release this, say, two or three paragraphs about the story. We're going to test to mm. see whether or not that resonates with them. And if it does, that that is not you spending millions, but you spending a mm. fraction of that to test to see whether those particular um, elements of a story can actually come out and actually be worth something, um, not only f for the person who's written it, because obviously they may have a mission themselves, but it brings the story to a wider field, but not, but mm. without taking the wider financial risk, which you would have to do if you went through the two year cycle. Are any of those processes in place? Um, but is, is there an opportunity for us to do that so we can get more and more people engaged? 
uh, from different backgrounds. Absolutely, and this is one of the things I've been championing now. Like, they, like in terms of risk taking, the digital space allows us to do that. So, one of the things that I'm looking at, and right now, is setting up um, a digital first imprint within our business. And one of the Very strands good. of those, one of those strands, are going to be, you know, inclusive and diverse publishing, underrepresented voices. So we can probably control more. Just do through ebook. Ebooks are so much easier. You don't have gatekeepers at retail you know, saying, oh, that won't work. I've got to get the return on my sh um, shop floor space that I've got, and I've only got s this X amount of space, so I'm going to give it to sort of like the no-brainers, the easy the easy wins. Um, but we can, we can experiment more, and we can actually target audiences um, through social media and find out where these potential, you know, audience readers are and talk to them directly with even snippets of content and indeed with the idea that if they love it they can go and download the book and if they then if there's enough engagement with the ebook um then there's a, then we can always roll it roll it out on physical so it's done the other way around um and that yep, then minimizes takes some of the risk out so there isn't there is that is something i'm going to be looking to launch later this year and we are doing that merely because i've been absolutely inundated with um Lots of manuscripts from people from all, not just people of colour, but loads of different backgrounds, who um, he said, "Look, I'm just like I need I need some help. How do I get published?" And I just know it's it, you, it's it's such a labour of love when people write, and this is a good way to get something out there. Um, and we can then help with the, the editorial side. We'll create a lovely jacket, put it on to put it on. On, onto our ebook platform, and that's another another avenue to get yourself published. Um, and then, the, yeah. and that's the difference between working with a publisher or going to somewhere like Amazon and doing becoming self-published because you can put your content out there, but it you know it's having all that support, for making sure it's editorially correct, um, and also the marketing and the PR discoverability online is so difficult. I mean, it's great you have you can anyone can publish out there. But the the, the 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 kickback is discoverability, and that's the challenge. Making sure people can discover you because it's just so much out there. Um, it's making sure that people find you, finding the right keywords, the metadata, promotion, putting it, positioning, so making sure all those things, um, which is now. But I think it's it, again, it's it, it's it will open up doors for so many more other new sort of talent to come through. Um, and yes, the stories are important. And again, um, as I said, it, it's today it's been difficult because of the, who the gatekeepers have been, and it's been purely because they don't understand, they don't connect, and it's it's complacency. It's they know they're going to. Yes. And again, it's a commercial decision versus oh, uh, what's the right thing to do? And and actually, I think, you know, that's all going to change now. There's a big movement going on, and I think there will be change. But um, I always, I, people who know me will know that I'm constantly I'm saying this. Real meaningful change does take time. And I truly believe it's going to be generational. Um, and I think, you know, our generations come through. Like myself, I said, I knew nothing of publishing. I was the first one to go to university in my family. No one knew I didn't have any career advice. I went to a very, you know, a school that didn't really offer that. Parents didn't know much about opportunities. There was the 
standard stereotype stuff, you know, and become, you know, a lawyer or an accountant or doctor. That's all they knew. Um, so they didn't know about this. There's so many opportunities out there. So I kind of like, I've worked it out myself. Luckily, I've been motivated. I'm very driven and I've created my own path, and my own journey. And people often say to me, you know, have it, it was really difficult, you know, you know, has it been challenging? And I'm, I'm like, but yeah, it has been, but I, I, I knew it was very early on. I knew it was going to be, and I actually just embraced it and thought, you well, know, there's, there's I'm a going message to in that it. as well, isn't it? But you know, yeah, unless you like, put you your hard to, work like, in, you have to put yeah. the work in, and 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 if you really want, why do you want the change? Well, our parents came here, and they did had their own set of challenges. My parents brought up eight. I'm one of eight. They worked all hours, worked numerous shifts to give us an easier life. It wasn't about them, it was about us. And I think, you know, I'm having a good life, but at the same time, I'm gonna to have to put in the work and I'm going to have to embrace the challenges. There are gonna be obstacles, um, but I'm paving the way for the next generation so that they are more, I think well, it's easier. Yeah, definitely well. yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm getting the prompt that so. we're, <laughs> we're at time. Um, I was gonna say, thank you so much for coming on. As I said before, you're a very busy person. Uh, I wish you continued success. You're definitely making a difference. Uh, good to meet you. Uh, and I think uh, whoever will come in contact with uh, with the organization, I'm sure will do extremely well because uh, you're passionate about what you do. Uh, and uh, I wish you uh, all the best. And I hope to see you again. We do another show because we've got plenty to talk about. And maybe come back yeah. and feature maybe one of those particular published, uh, you know, individuals that you want to bring forward. So yeah. we'll see you soon. Um, thanks a lot for tuning in. And Thank my you. personal thanks to Amanda and...